Welcome back to He Leadeth Me, a spiritual formation podcast for focused staff, students, and friends. I'm Jessica, Focus's Manager of Spiritual Formation, and this is the second part of a three-part series on beauty. And we are once again joined by our friend Katie Weiss, who is the founder of Behold Visio Divina. So thanks for coming back, Katie. Thanks for having me. So today I wanted to talk to you about Visio Divina. I actually was never familiar with this term, and then I saw it on your website, and I thought this is brilliant. One of my jobs with Focus is to teach on prayer. So we teach principles of prayer at our staff training, and we also teach methods of prayer. We teach Ignatian contemplation, but we always teach Lexio Divina, which is sacred reading, praying with the scriptures. And then when I saw the words Visio Divina, immediately I could kind of figure out what that is. It must be praying with the visual, but I'd never heard of it. And when I make retreat booklets, it's a new thing that we're doing. We're always trying to include not only prayer guides for how to pray with scripture or with a certain theme, we're always trying to include art with that because we know that there's something about art that leads people to prayer, but I've never heard it described as a prayer method. So I was really excited to talk about that today. So just to start off, can you tell us what is Visio Divina? Yeah, so Visio Divina is divine seeing. So Lexio Divina is divine listening, right? So when you think of Lexio Divina, it's been in the church since the early monastics, like 6th century, and it's listening to God's word in scripture. So it's the Latin words for um, divine listening. And so Visio, like the way I like to explain it is vision, it's using art along with scripture. I think that's something really important that some people tend to forget is using God's word to kind of help that image really helps it become a prayer tool that it kind of brackets with Lexio Divina. Mm-hmm. So Lexio Divina has the four steps. What are the steps to Visio Divina? So the steps of Visio Divina are just like Lexio, except you just do Visio first. So we start with the visio step. So gazing upon an image, praying with how it speaks to you. I usually, when people are starting out with it, I say, okay, start with shorter amounts of time in the beginning. (laughs) A lot of us are not used to sitting quietly with an image that's not moving (laughs) for just a few minutes, like two, three minutes. And then eventually when you get more used to it, you can get more comfortable with like, oh, I could sit with this for six or seven minutes. And what I usually direct people to is be aware of one or two things that strike you. Some works of art definitely have a lot going on, be overwhelming. Just like talk to the Lord and be like, why is this one thing striking you? Why is your gaze striking you in this image? Or I'm thinking of touching the side of Christ images that I've seen with Thomas and, and Jesus. And I'm always struck by Jesus's like, taking Thomas's hand and putting it inside. And so just having that conversation with the Lord being like, why is that striking me? Is it because the artist is using light or is it something's coming up in my heart? So it's using art similar to Lexio Divina where it's saying, okay, something's touching me personally, but there's something in particular about the image that's going to speak to me uniquely. So it's using that as a vehicle to say, okay, here's something striking me in the image. And then the next step is meditation. So reading a scripture out loud having the two come together and usually have a word or a phrase that strikes you kind of pray with the two of them 
why is this part of the image striking me? And also this phrase, talk to the Lord about it. And then the prayer portion, really making a prayer reference to God and contemplation resting in his presence. And then the last step is action. So how am I going to live out from this time of prayer? And a lot of what we do with Visio Divina is actually give like one or two questions to kind of prompt people to go deeper in our studies. So usually if it's something striking them being like, okay, place yourself in the scene, kind of using imaginative prayer. With Visio Divina, we're using the history of the church. It's been in the history of the church with stained glass windows and stations of the cross. But then it's through our ministry, we kind of just apply these principles of what you mentioned, you know, imaginative prayer or Lexia Divina with it to support that prayer to help it go deeper. Yeah, I guess when I first thought of this concept and I first just saw the words, I thought it was only praying with an image. But you're saying that you pray with the scriptures as well. Mm-hmm. So I suppose my immediate thought would be picking scenes from the Gospels. And there are famous paintings that you can do with that or icons are amazing. But I suppose you could look at different images and say, okay, what scripture is being recalled to my mind when I see this image? Yeah. So I suppose you could pick a beautiful image of scenery, like a morning's dawn or something and pray with the Psalms where it talks about the sun rising in the sky, God being a creator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a great application. It's like, you can really apply this in your own life where you're like, I really love this image. And then I tend to actually say like, okay, what's something that seems to be what the Lord is asking me in my spiritual life, you know, mm-hmm. deeper peace or during COVID, it was definitely this idea of like anxiety and how to pray through anxiety. And so for me, it was like, okay, I can think of these scripture passages, such as any of the ones where the Lord says, do not be afraid or the Annunciation or just a lot of the Psalms, but the Psalms don't have an image with them. Right. But then being like, okay, this Psalm could actually go with Jesus walking in the water. So then looking up, okay, like what are some images of Jesus walking in the water that kind of line up with this scripture? So you could do that too, where it's like, okay, I resonate with the scripture with some visual aid that can kind of help it go deeper. That's a really interesting point about praying with anxiety through the scriptures and through images. I think sometimes our moods can affect how we read the scriptures and we can still get dark images in our minds just based on our own moods. And yet when you see this is how someone else imagines this scripture and it's filled with light where there are different things that the artist brings out. Maybe Jesus's compassion. Maybe you're struggling in your life and you're just struggling to see Jesus as compassionate, even though you're reading it in the scriptures. Seeing an image that really portrays that could be very helpful. And it can really bring us outside of ourselves. I think in a lot of difficult things that we might be working through, it can be so easy to go in these circles with the Lord. And the Lord wants us to be honest and real with him. But then This really has the tide of beauty that I think we were talking about in the first episode. It can really bring us outside ourselves. And so we could see things from a different lens through another artist or common prayer for me when doing Visio is Lord, like help me to see who you truly are versus who I think you are. And I think Lexio, Visio, a lot of prayer forms can do that if we're open, but saying, Hey, this is my image of who Jesus is, but then actually like seeing it from somebody else can really help me see like, oh, wait, I actually like limit Jesus a lot of times or 
I think my fears are bigger than him. And then seeing him walk on the water is one image. I like wrote my fears on the waves and it just helped to be like, oh, Jesus is bigger than this. Why do I limit him? So it can that really makes help. sense. Yeah. I mean, we can often based on our past experiences, maybe negative things that have happened to us in life, we can get a little bit of a false image of Jesus and we don't realize that we have it. And then seeing the writings of the saints, that can be something that can help us to correct our false image of Jesus, but also praying with these classic works of art and seeing how Fra Angelico sees Jesus can also be very healing and help us to see Jesus for who he truly is. And we have this magnificent treasury in the church and God is so great that nobody can possibly receive all of his revelation. And yet in these works of art, we get to receive other people's. And a lot of them, they've prayed through it too. So it's like Fra Angelico, he was known for being angelic. That's why he's <laughs> Fra Angelico. But just a lot of it was like, he was praying through, okay, like here's the enunciation, I'm reading it, but how am I visualizing it? How do I think it could have been portrayed? So it can be really moving to kind of just get outside ourselves and see something from a different lens. Now, we were talking in the first episode as well about just how many different images our culture shows us within a very visual culture and how important it is to healing the mind, the imagination, the memory to be praying with beautiful images. And this is one way to do that. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I think too, if we have a certain image that keeps coming back to us, really bringing that to the Lord and being like, okay, is there a certain image you want me to kind of sit with to place in that spot, right? If I have struggle with anxiety, is there an image that's coming up? And if so, what's something that can help me feel grounded in my faith? That's a good point about anxiety. I also think that it's a good point for anybody who struggles with porn addictions, because those images keep coming up and the person's not trying to bring them up, but they come up into the mind. And so you need to have a different image to replace it with. And the thing with pornography is that it makes sex very mechanical and there's no longer the fullness of the understanding of the human person and the beauty of the human person and the beauty of the marriage act. And yet when you are able to look at beautiful forms in art, like a beautiful picture of Our Lady, that restores the beauty of sexuality and it shows the greater truth there. Yeah, definitely. And there's so much sacred art. I mean, I think of Michelangelo painting the Sistine Chapel. He's portraying the human body beautifully. So we can find sacred art to really show us the truth, right? Show us the integrity of what we are created for. And I think it also ties a relationship that's really important, I guess, on this conversation of a struggle with pornography, which I think all of us have experienced it in some way. The world we live in, just like experientially, our lives are all touched by that aspect of our world right now. But art can really bring a relationship where half the time, I think in a lot of the pieces that we recommend, it's like having the gaze of Christ, or having the gaze of Mary. Some of these listeners, if you if you struggle with it, it's like, Sometimes we get on ourselves and beat ourselves up. And it's like, ask the Lord, really have that gaze of his, look at us in art to make it very tangible, how he sees us, how he loves us, because it can just really make that struggle less about, okay, I'm fighting this alone and really heal whenever that is a temptation or struggle for somebody being like, the Lord is here with me and I have a positive image that I can bring up in temptation. 
So I know that's kind of a tangent, but just felt like the Holy Spirit was kind of saying that, that I think it brings a relationship in a place where often there is no relationship, that the relationship is actually separated from the image we're seeing. That's very true. Yeah, that really strikes to the root of what people are experiencing there. So I I do think that it would be extremely beneficial for people to pray with images. I remember when I was in the convent, one of the sisters told me that she did a meditation with a little prayer card of Our Lady of Good Counsel. And so she just prayed with that image there, classical image. And when I was thinking about that, having returned to the world, I was thinking, oh, I I think I'd like to take a piece of art into prayer with me. And I did not have any on hand. And so I just Googled images. But the difficulty is that if you Google an image of Peter on the water, usually what's going to come up is not a famous artist. It's this cartoony image of Peter on the water, which is some really random stuff. And even if you do know a famous artist's name, that doesn't necessarily mean that they have painted the particular image that you want. Mm -hmm. And you can be pretty overwhelmed with all of the images that can come up in Google. So how would you recommend that people find good art to pray with? Yeah, that's a really good question. And a lot of what you were mentioning is kind of what my job is in the ministry I do, where it's like researching. It's amazing how many of Jesus walking in the waters there are. So yeah, what I would say is especially because a lot of people don't know like a lot of prominent artist names and there's no shame in that. Like honestly being exposed in art the past 10 years in particular, I have certain people I go to, but it's kind of been a trial and error of looking online and being like, Oh, I do not like this style or, but I would say prayer cards are a great start. Like all of us have probably tons of prayer cards <laughs> that we get from people. A good place to start too, as a simple starting point is actually like images that have been revealed in the church, such as divine mercy. Like this was something that really came to me thinking about this podcast is like, the Lord has used images. We have Our Lady of Guadalupe. We have, yeah, divine mercy is like an example or even statues, right? Like Our Lady of Fatima. So while they might not speak to particular scripture passages, I think that's a good place to start. Why not start with, you know, an image that the Lord himself or Our Lady has invited us into and use that as a starting point. And then, yeah, being aware of prayer cards or even I think a lot of Catholic books actually include a lot of art too, like to really look that up or, yeah, as I mentioned last episode, definitely don't be afraid to like type in like on the Met Museum or on the National Gallery, like the crucifixion and some beautiful images come up. And then, yeah, recently I've just looked into a lot of Catholic artists who are really trying to go deeper both in the painting realm or even I've seen some people who do like graphic design with one of my favorite images of the woman at the well is actually somebody who did it on an iPad. For me, like Etsy is a place sometimes where I just am browsing like Catholic art. Some people come up and kind of look through like, oh, okay, what are some scenes that might appeal to me? So I suppose when I was originally thinking about praying with art or images, I was thinking of the famous artists like Caravaggio mm-hmm. or Michelangelo but you mentioned images that God has directly revealed, like Our Lady of Guadalupe. And as you were saying that, I was thinking, actually, it's probably not that difficult to figure out which scripture passage would go with that, that the Lord was referring to. Our Lady of Guadalupe, that's straight out of Revelation. She's crowned with the stars and everything. And then Our Lady of Fatima, she's got a star on her dress. 
which harkens back to the book of Esther. Esther means star. She's the one who's interceding for her people to be saved from destruction. And I suppose the divine mercy image is from the Gospel of John, and he's trying to show the mercy coming from the crucifixion. Yeah, that's that's incredible. I'd never thought about praying with the images that God had yeah. revealed before. And I think it's a good starting point because a lot of people can be intimidated. Like, yeah, I mentioned Caravaggio, and they're like, who is Caravaggio or Frangelico? Those are names of people where it's like Caravaggio is a go-to for me. James Tissot, actually, I would highly recommend him. His last name is spelled T-I-S-S-O-T, and he was a painter in the 1800s. All his works at the Brooklyn Museum, well, a lot of it, but he painted, it's known as the Life of Christ. It's like 150 watercolor paintings of like almost verse by verse of scripture. So there are people I generally go to after years of researching where I'm like, okay, James Tissot, Caravaggio, Fra Angelico, Henry O'Tanner, he was a Christian artist. He wasn't a Catholic artist, but his Annunciation, a lot of people recognize, and it's in the Philadelphia Museum. It's four feet tall, beautiful. So those would be like shout outs of go-tos. But the reason I mentioned Divine Mercy and Our Lady is like, ultimately, I mean, we have resources, you know, through our ministry of compiling art with scripture. But ultimately, it's like, we do that so that people feel comfortable where they can do it on their own. If you're not confident being like, I don't know where to start, you know, that's the thing that's nice is the church has a history of divine mercy or they've got a lupe where it's like, you don't need to like be nervous about trusting your judgment. The church has stuff out there where you can go do. As you're mentioning these works of art that are in museums, I was just reminded of something that I heard a priest say once where he said, museums have become churches and churches have become museums. It's sad, but people go to church and they're not really seeking contemplation anymore. They're not desiring to dwell there. And yet modern man is going to the museum and he is seeking to dwell there and to contemplate larger truths through these works of art. And so the arts can be a gateway to contemplating God eventually. It makes me realize that those works of art that I see in the museum, I think, oh, you know, I should pray with this more. But you're at the museum for a limited amount of time and you just move on. And I should be taking those things to my holy hour. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And something I'll throw out there as well is and don't be afraid to like print out a work of art and have it in your home. You know, I think that's something really important is, you know, just that constant exposure where it's hanging, you know, on your wall or like on your table where you're like, okay, I'm not just exposed to it just a little bit. I can notice small things throughout the day you know, and it kind of inebriates my day. So that that can be a helpful thing too. Yeah, very helpful to continue to draw you back to the presence of God. Mm -hmm. And just like St. Paul says, whatever is good, whatever is true, whatever is beautiful, think about those things. Mm -hmm. And so that helps us to do that throughout the day and let the graces that we receive in our holy hour permeate our whole day. I imagine that it would be helpful even when you pray with an image in your holy hour to then take it and put it where you're working for even just a few hours. And, you know, when we pray with the scriptures, we can't necessarily continue to return to them when we're trying to have meetings or anything like that. But it's really easy just to let your eye dart to an image. So tell us a little bit more about your own personal experience with Visio Divina. So I first started doing Visio Divina way back when I was in religious life. So we were talking about this little outside the podcast, but I discerned religious life in religious formation for about a year. I met the Nashville Dominicans. 
my class was one of the biggest. We had 27 enter way back in 2013. Wow. So when I was there about a month or two, I was like, I'm actually like, couldn't name this to myself because I was in denial about it. But I was like really unhappy living the life, which was really confusing. And the more I kind of would just like put it to the side, I was like, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to look at that. And I was like, oh, it's probably like, I just am adjusting or I'm an extrovert. Silence is very hard for me. Like kind of blaming these different things. A few months in, I'm like kind of ignoring these things, pushing through. And one of my classmates had this line where she was like, isn't this life so freeing? And I was like, oh no. (laughs) And I was like, I smiled on the outside. I was like, yeah, but I definitely did not feel that. And it was really wrestling with the Lord being like, is this something wrong with me? Is this a sin or something that's in the way? Like what's going on? And one of our teachers who taught church history gave us each a small, like four by four image of a Fra Angelica painting, actually, because he was a Dominican painter. And so I got the Annunciation. And up until that point, I found prayer to be very hard. In religious life, it's even harder because you're like, I have this carved out prayer time. And I can't pray. And what I started doing every day was praying with this image and Luke's gospel, the Annunciation. And so that was months of just doing that. And I just found it really moving where I was like, there was so much angst inside. I couldn't have the energy to like prod that place. It was just so painful because half my life I had been thinking about discerning. And instead of being like, what's wrong for once, I could like look at it in the positive and say like, Mary, it says you were afraid. I'm afraid. We can kind of meet on this. (laughs) And Mary, who always felt so distant to me for once was like, actually a person who got me. And I could actually be like, what is the Lord doing here? So eventually like realized the Lord was asking me to turn out. And this kind of led to, you know, a year later starting Behold and like really doing printed book for people on how to pray with art and scripture. But it started out and continues to be a walk with the Lord of like ways that I have ideas of who he is or our lady or what my scenario is, such as working through angst during COVID or, you know, just different scenarios and being like, Lord, what are you doing in my life? And then praying through images with him and then kind of bringing it to other people and honestly finding healing by praying with the Lord. And then also in our small groups, it's really beautiful because you're finding a relationship with the Lord, but then with one another in small groups talking about it. It's been a beautiful journey for the past six years. What was it specifically about the image of the Annunciation that struck you? Fra Angelico, I just love his use of color. He uses a lot of warm colors and it's very soft. He painted fresco, which it's not an oil paint feel. It's it's very gentle. But something that I really pondered was Mary's posture. So the image I had actually had Adam and Eve in the back. He has a lot of enunciation images. So I would sit with that a little bit being like, okay, Adam and Eve are an example of choosing no. You know, like the Lord inviting and like choosing otherwise. And then Mary, the new Eve, and just looking at her posture, like she had her hands over her chest and then her face was just so gentle and so loving. So I think it was just really moving to like have a mother who got where I was. It was real, but it was also uplifting in that space. And that's just fascinating the way God spoke to you, not only through the image itself of Mary's posture and her 
openness to the Lord, but also her maternal love of you, but then also how the technique of the artist spoke to you, where those gentle colors are speaking to you of the gentleness of God Mm -hmm. and the gentleness of the discernment process, which should not be anxiety provoking. Yeah. Yeah. And it's amazing talking about it with you now because it's like, I never really thought about it. I could just say like, oh, there's something very comforting about this, but I think you're right where the certain tools that artists are using actually are are speaking a deeper truth, you know, on a a deeper level in my heart. So, well, I hope that a lot of our listeners will pray with art and have the same experience that you had. Just to sum things up, could you repeat for us those four steps of Visio Divina? Yeah. So the first step is Visio. So sitting with a work of art for a few minutes, then meditation. Okay. So Again, giving it a few minutes. I like to read the scripture passage out loud. And honestly, with Lexio, it's recommended like two or three times to read out loud. So don't be afraid to, to go back over it aloud a few times. And usually I'll underline or circle a word or a phrase that strikes me. Then the oratio or the prayer portion, making a prayer to God in our hearts from what's coming up and really going to deeper reflection saying like, okay, why is this striking me? Like having a conversation with him. And then contemplation is resting in God's presence. So really that's like the point of prayer where it's like, I can just rest and be, and art can really help that. We don't feel like we have to do anything. We can just be in his presence. And then the last step is action. So saying, okay, how can I live out from this time of prayer? And you can adjust the times according to like, again, as I said, start on smaller levels and then expand it to longer periods of time, the more you do it. Wonderful. Well, I'm excited to pray with Visio Divina soon in my holy hour, and I hope that everyone else does too. Thank you for joining me today, Katie. And everybody, please tune in to our last episode on beauty, where we talk about beauty and evangelization. Thanks for listening. Thank you.